bringing you the latest research, tools, and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy. It's Talk Healthy Today. Here's Lisa Davis. A lot of people have issues with eating for emotional comfort, emotional support. You know, this is not a funny joke. I'll put it out front. But I, I have... I had uh, an issue with sex and love addiction, and I used to think that if I didn't have so many food sensitivities, I would have just stuck with food. Again, I warned you that wasn't funny, but I'm being serious. So I think sometimes when we have different traumas in our life, we turn to different things, and it is not healthy regardless of what you are turning to. So I am so glad to have back on the program the wonderful Julie M. Simon, M.A., M.B.A., M.F.T., her book, When Food is Comfort. Julie joins us now. Hi there, Lisa. Thank you. So great to be back with you. It's great to have you. I hope that wasn't offensive. I mean, I laid out the groundwork, but I can't help think like I would much rather just eat entire loaf of bread with peanut butter than be sleeping around. But I had to do something to escape my issues. or I felt like I did. Right. I mean, there are. No, I mean, I think people say that, you know, I think people will compare different, you know, addictions. Yes. uh, Or bad habits. You know, they'll say, gee, I wish I could have been a smoker, you know, instead of an eater. I wish I could have been a sex addict. That would have been more fun than a. Yeah. No, food addict. <laughs> I, I think it's common for people to think that yes. uh, the grass is a little greener <laughs> with a different... Right, but the bottom line is we, we want to actually have coping mechanisms and not turn to these gambling, drugs, drinking, sex, and food. I came to do this work because I myself struggled uh, for many years with overeating, weight gain, and dieting, and I was never very good at sticking with diets, and diets actually led to some compulsive binge eating for me, uh, and then attempts, you know, to control my weight via over-exercising, and so I was kind of caught in a cycle of that for many years, and I always thought, this just doesn't make sense, we're not designed, I know that we're not designed, you know, to, to gain weight, especially like today with people gaining large amounts of weight. I knew we weren't designed that way, and I knew that we weren't designed to count calories and carbohydrate grams and fat grams and weigh and measure our food and our bodies, and it all seemed crazy. So I was on a quest for many years to figure out all the pieces of the overeating puzzle. And um, over time, as I began to understand all those pieces and put them together in my own life, I began to... um, want to help other people with those same issues. And so I developed a 12-week emotional eating recovery program that I've been running for over 25 years now. And we're starting back up very soon, so anybody struggling can join me. Um, I wanted to help people understand the mind, body, and spirit imbalances that lead us to turn to food. And I, I covered that in my first book and in my new book, When Food is Comfort, we take a deeper dive we really begin to understand how the brain gets wired early on for uh, the kind of emotional reactivity, uh, especially when we haven't had enough consistent and sufficient emotional nurturance when we're young. And even well-intended loving parents can miss the mark sometimes if they're missing skills. So I want to write the book uh, and help people understand that we can rewire the brain and we can learn how to develop what I call a, an inner nurture, an inner supportive voice that can help soothe us and comfort us and regulate our emotions and regulate our nervous system and stop making poor choices, stop being driven by impulsive behaviors. I was slowly piecing together these, the pieces of the puzzle. I, I 
began to understand that I was an emotional eater and that I was missing some very basic self-care skills like the ability to move through and process emotional states, comfort and soothe myself, reframe self-defeating thoughts, regulate my nervous system. I was missing skills. There were also pieces of the puzzle, which I talk about in my first book, um, like food allergies, uh, food addiction, food sensitivities, hormonal imbalances, brain chemistry imbalances, which I revisit in the second book. You know, how much exercise was I getting? Was I getting restorative sleep? There were spiritual issues that were going on. I didn't have enough nourishing connections in my life. I didn't know how to quiet my mind. So there were so many pieces I was putting together through study, visits to healthcare practitioners, and going to therapy myself. And as I was doing all this, everything was getting better and better. And it wasn't until many years later that I began to understand the neuroscience behind what I had been doing and the self-reflective self-care skills I had been practicing were actually rewiring my brain. And that's why I really wanted to write this book because I wanted to help people understand. I didn't even know that I was rewiring my brain. I just knew that things were getting better. My relationships were getting better. I wasn't overeating anymore. I wasn't obsessing about my weight and dieting. You know, things, my inner uh, chaos and my outer clutter were diminishing. So things were getting better, but I didn't understand that I had rewired my brain. And when I really began to understand the neuroscience behind all of this, I really wanted to help people understand that their their head, their brain is getting in their way and that they can rewire this so that they can make better choices, not just with food, but in all areas of their lives. And in the book, you actually have seven skills. These are inner nurturing skills that will help you with this rewiring. They can help with the regulation of emotional arousal, calm your body. Why don't you walk us through some of these? Yes, the the skills are meant to um, begin to help you address uh, the emotional dysregulation that you're feeling. So whenever you're having any kind of distress, whether you're wanting to turn to food or other substances or sex, like you said, or not, whenever you're feeling distress, um, we need to, you're emotionally dysregulated and often your nervous system is dysregulated as well. And so the first, these skills are designed to help you learn how to regulate what's going on inside of you so then you can actually access your thinking brain and begin to problem solve and and meet your true non-food needs. So we start with the first skill, which is what I call popping the hood. So it's, it's, you know, a metaphor for, you know, what happens when your car is making funny noises. You know, you take it to the mechanic and he has to pop the hood and listen for the signals of distress. So we start by popping the hood and we check in with ourselves and we find out what am I feeling? So, I just had, you know, a difficult visit with a caregiver. Um, as a caregiver, maybe I was visiting my elderly father or my mother or taking care of someone, and it wasn't a very good visit, and I'm kind of all uptight and tense. And I'm thinking of going and getting a chocolate cake. So before I get the chocolate cake, let me pull away and find out what am I actually feeling. And emotional eaters can kind of be on a spectrum with this. Some emotional eaters will say, I know exactly what I'm feeling but I just don't know what to do with those feelings. They're so unpleasant. 
Other people will be on the other end of the spectrum saying, I have the faintest idea what I'm feeling. I just know I want, want chocolate cake, and I'm not a happy camper, but I don't know what my feelings are. So if you're on the end of the spectrum where you know what you're feeling, you have a little bit of a leg up, what, get clear. What is it? And even people that know what they're feeling often only know one or two feelings. See if you can identify three or four feelings. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling drained. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling worried. I'm feeling scared. What are you feeling? And then take notice of how those emotions are presenting in your body. See, my body feels kind of drained. I feel kind of slumpy. My shoulders feel heavy. Oh, I'm noticing kind of an ache in my chest and my stomach's churning a little bit. This is how emotion presents. It presents as bodily sensations. Whether we have labels or not, whether we can say sad, hurt, angry, or not, emotions present in the body. So we want to tune in. We want to end the disconnection of just grabbing something and not feeling. And we want to feel. And research shows that just the act of paying attention to our inner world is already calming and soothing. And the next set of skills help you do even do that even further, help you regulate your emotional system even further because we start to bring in this inner nurturing voice who can do skill number two, which is validate those feelings and emotions. So we bring in that voice, and that voice says, of course you're feeling sad and drained when you visited your father. He's a difficult personality. It makes sense that you're feeling tired and lonely, right? So we, we learn to start talking to ourselves, accessing a voice that's compassionate and kind and loving and nurturing. And most emotional eaters just didn't get enough of this. They didn't either hear enough of this kind of voice or they didn't have enough exposure to it. Maybe their caregivers were anxious or worried or distracted or at worst neglectful and abusive. So. Yeah, that's true. And it's so hard when we don't have that. And it, it probably feels, I wouldn't say uncomfortable, but just so unfamiliar at first. What have you heard from people in terms of awkward? Awkward. You know, that's awkward. the word. <laughs> it's awkward. It's just like learning to play the guitar when you're first playing. It's awkward to put your fingers on, stretch your fingers and play the piano, stretch your fingers to different frets and press down and then coordinate the strumming. And, you know, Anytime, learning to ride a bicycle when you're young, anytime we're learning a new skill, it's going to be awkward. And the answer to the resolution to that awkwardness is practice, 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 practice. So people come to me and they say, you know, I I'm, I did the inner nurture voice, but it just doesn't feel natural or it doesn't feel comforting or soothing. And I say, it's not going to initially. You just need to keep at it. You need to keep doing it and developing it, and then it's going to be kind of magical and mystical. At some point, it's going to become comforting. Your own voice is going to be soothing and comforting. And what you'll find, this is what I found in my own journey, that whereas prior to building this voice, I was always looking outside myself, not just food, but people, like looking for people to give me comfort and soothe me when I was going through anything. When I built this voice... I found that I never wanted to go to other people first, that I always wanted to go to myself first because I wanted to process through what I was feeling. I didn't want to be distracted by anybody else's opinions or stories or anything. you know. And I began to realize that other people really didn't have any more skill necessarily at comforting and soothing me than I 
had myself, and I knew myself better than anyone else, and I knew ultimately what I needed more than anyone else would. So it's a journey. It's not doesn't happen overnight, just like any skill building. But I think you have to use your wisdom and and know that if you don't have a voice like this built, that you need to get started. Yeah, definitely. And I think it goes beyond people with with emotional eating uh, situations. I mean, I, I, we all need this voice. We all need this voice. That's why I said, you know, this this book is really not just for people who use food. <laughs> but it's also incredibly helpful for that as well. And, and, and I'm sure you've heard from, you know, working with people and doing your programs that once I would assume that once they're able to develop this within themselves, they are rewiring their brain and they are seeing differences in their behavior and their reactions. They are. And, you know, some of the other steps, some of the other skills really, uh, really continue to help with the rewiring. Like one of the skills is catching and reframing those self-defeating thoughts and self-doubts. And when you're doing that, when you're learning how to catch negative, critical, judgmental thoughts and reframe them with positive, energizing, or calming thoughts, you're, the, the reframe that you come up with is coming from that inner nurturing voice. So a thought that says, I'll never meet anybody at this age. I'm too old to find a partner. And the reframe says, many, many, many people have found partners in midlife, and you only need one, you know, and there's plenty of people out there. Look at all the online dating sites, plenty of people looking. There's no reason to believe that it won't happen for you. So you're learning by catching and reframing those thoughts to practice that voice. There's another skill in the book where we learn how to highlight our strengths because sometimes when life you know, is throwing us curved balls, we forget that we have a lot of strengths. So the person who doesn't think she'll ever meet anyone midlife <clears throat> is forgetting that she's funny, warm, loving, affectionate. She's forgetting that she has a lot to offer someone. Um, we learn how to hold hope in one of the skills. And we learn how to meet our needs and set effective, gentle, but effective limits with ourselves. You know, we learn how to hear the voice that says, I want to get those cookies now, and bring in a voice that says, I, I really get it that you want to have more food, but I know we're not hungry, so I'm really wondering what you're feeling. And we're not going to have any more to eat tonight. We learn how to develop a kind, limit-setting voice. So these are all pieces that are missing for most emotional eaters. And, you know, where are you going to get these skills? I mean, there, there really isn't any school you go to you know, <laughs> to learn these skills. You're supposed to learn them when you're young. And if you don't, then you need you need to know what you're missing and how to practice it. Yeah, it's true. Well, tell us a little bit more about your 12-week program. The 12-week program I developed uh, over 25 years ago, and it basically covers the mind, body, and spirit um, imbalances that lead us to turn to food. So it's, it's kind of an anti-diet. It's an alternative to dieting. So it's a deeper dive. We address the deeper issues emotional issues. We address the body imbalance that might be going on that's leading you to use food. We address spiritual issues, spiritual depletion, and we we work on rewiring the brain and really wiring in this inner nurturing voice. And um, 
I have the program in a live format in Los Angeles and also in a telecoaching format. So anybody in the world can join in now and take the program, and we'll be starting back up at the end of April. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, it's really nice when you have that kind of support. Now, within the program, I'm assuming you're working by yourself, but is, do you have access? If there is there a support component if you want to email with other people who are taking the course, or how does that work? Yes. Well, first of all, if you're doing the telecoaching course, we're all on the phone together, so we're all working together. And then I set up a Facebook group so people can share and connect with each other. Each week you're getting a lecture from me, and you can replay it any time. And each week you're getting a live coaching call with me where we we go we do really deep dives. Uh, we we take our time and we practice the skills during the coaching call, and then you know we practice them during the week. And so people are bringing up, "Gee, I was." trying to use that inner nurturing voice, but it didn't feel good, and this is what happened, and, and I'll give tips and tools, and we'll tweak, and we'll learn even more skills, you know, that aren't in uh, either of the books. <laughs> um, so we really we really go deep, and then, and like I said, we have a Facebook group that people can be a part of, and also after the 12-week, we many, many groups go into follow-up groups for another 12 weeks, so we're doing another deeper dive. So there's lots of support. Uh, it's a place to learn all the missing skills. Yeah, I, I think this is just a must-do for everyone. I think so many of us are missing these skills, and then, it, and then we pass that on to our kids, and then you know the cycle continues, and we need to stop and learn how to nurture and take care of ourselves and use kind voices and, and have a better understanding. So we not only help ourselves, but, but we help our kids. So, Julie, what you're doing is, tre- is tremendous. Well, that's what's so important to me is that, you know, if we're if our caregivers were missing these skills and they couldn't um, nurture us in ways that really helped our brain development, then how are we going to do any of that for our children? So it's just a constant generational um, problem being passed down, and we want to interrupt that, and we want to you know, we want to raise our children. And even in the third section of the book, I, you know, have a section where I talk about nurturing others, you know, because parents often say to me once they learn inner nurturing, oh, my God, like I'm feeling depressed because I don't think I've done this with my children, right? So it is multigenerational, and we want to nip it in the bud. (laughs) Oh, for sure. You know, I'm curious. I would imagine that somebody who has an issue with emotional eating, they might have trouble with their hunger cues. Have you found that in terms of not knowing when they're hungry, when they're full, because of not eating at times that are usually triggered by hunger, I would imagine, if it's an emotional response? I mean, that is one of the most common things, actually, in my first book, and for sure in the 12-week program we cover this, we really work on learning to identify hunger signals. And just like we're talking about with when we pop the hood and we're identifying our emotions and our bodily sensations, some of our bodily sensations are, you know, are not emotional, right? Like a full bladder is not emotional. Hunger and fullness cues are not necessarily emotional. Our body is incredibly wise and it signals us via hormones and bodily sensations cravings, hunger signals, fullness signals like stretch sensation. Our, our bodies have stretch cells in our stomach that let us know when it's had enough. Our body's calculating behind the scenes how much the caloric density of our food, the nutrient density of our food, how much fat we have in our fat cells, 
So there's so much going on. If we pay attention, our bodies are going to guide us via sensations, emotions. And, and so just as you're saying, we need to pay attention to hunger cues. We need to know, you know when to eat. And we also need to pay attention to fullness cues and when to stop and pay attention to cravings when that orange is looking really good and when we'd really rather have brown rice. Yeah, that is important. You know, I, I tend out of habit. I'm a, I eat a lot of dark chocolate. And even though it's super dark and there's not much sugar, I, I'm still overdoing it. And I have a drawer in the kitchen and, and I'll just walk by and I'll just mindlessly grab some. So I've been more cognizant. Like, yes, I came upstairs for a pencil. I don't need to go to the dark chocolate drawer right now. And, you know, or what am I feeling? What's going on? And so I'm, I'm, I probably should put it up in a higher place. It's a little too easy to get to. Um, but that's the kind of thing that I think we can all, you know, work on. And sometimes, you know, just addressing, I know sometimes when I'd be heading out the door for a run, I would grab a little piece of dark chocolate or something and, one time I asked myself, why are we doing this? Like, <laughs> what are you doing with that piece of dark chocolate before you run out? And I realized, I was thinking that it was going to give me energy because I was too tired to run. Oh. But then, you know, just looking at that behavior, I said to myself, there's no way that can give you energy that fast. It has to be processed. It's like, it's a complete myth in your mind. So yes. just get out the door and stop doing it. <laughs> That is so true. You know, Julie, you are such a gem and you have such great information. Is there anything you want to add today? And and I'd love to have you back. It's been far too long since you were on last time. Yes, I definitely would love to come back. And the only thing I want to add is hope. I want to give all your listeners hope that um, if anybody's stuck in a cycle of overeating comfort foods and gaining weight and dieting and just feeling like there's no way out of this, even compulsive binge eating, there is complete recovery. I am 100% you know, walking, living, breathing example of that, including compulsive overeating. There's 100% recovery. You do not have to go on another diet. You do not have to go on one of these rigid no sugar, no flour, you know, eating plans, unless you want to, unless that works for you. Um, and even if you do go on any of those kind of plans, you really still need to do the emotional recovery work. So there is recovery. It's going to take some time, but I want to give everyone hope that um, there are people like me out there that can help you. Oh, that's so lovely. Julie, tell us all the ways we can find you on social media, and, and how do we sign up for your program? So you can you can sign up for my program and find me at overeatingrecovery.com. And if you don't already have either of my books, you can download two free chapters from both of my books. You can get started reading right away and see if the my message uh, moves you or, ta- or speaks to you. Um, and you can find out more about the 12-week program at my website. And you can also sign up for my blog. I I do a monthly blog on articles related to eating and good health. So that's the place to find me, and the over the next program will be starting at the end of April. So um, still plenty of time to sign up, read, the, read a couple chapters, and sign up if you think it's right for you. Oh, I think it's great. Julie, I want to thank you so much. I want to thank everyone for listening. You can find out more if you go to itsyourhealthwithlisadavis.com. Thanks so much for listening, and stay well. 